0: Captain, Signature's Signature detected. Shields up. Signature detected. Better look. Contact Starfleet Command. What's happening? C- Contact Starfleet Command.
1: Delay that order.
0: Contact Starfleet Command. This is the captain. Contact Starfleet Command.
1: Get out of my chair, chair, chair,
0: chair. chair. We have engaged the Klingons. The Klingons. Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Kind of want to do the like substitute teacher introduction. This is a kid's program, right? No. Hey guys. (laughs) It's not a kid's program. It's the greatest discovery. Don't
1: do that. It's not a kid's program. It's not for kids.
0: (laughs) Right. The source material is this is definitely not.
1: (laughs) This was a big uh, suspenseful season ending episode, right? We got to come back after the summer to see what the next episode of Prodigy
0: is. Is this another mid-season break episode? Is that what's happening? It's
1: not. That's the thing that's wild to me. <laughs> the, the next episode is the mid-season break episode.
0: I love that this show is doing all of the heavy lifting for parents, right? Like, you yeah. want to teach your kids early about the wide shot. You want to teach them about mm-hmm. the mid-season break. You want to teach them about the cliffhanger. Yeah. Cliffhanger is very important to impress upon the children early
1: yeah um yeah i was i was like looking at the schedule and i was like oh this has got to like next week we'll be back to
0: discovery I, and no <laughs> i mean that was one of the reasons best of both the worlds was such a mind blower when i watched that the first time i'm not sure i knew a show could do that you're yeah. used to your your programming being all tied up at the end of a half an hour or an hour
1: right and there were cartoons on when I was a kid that had stories that followed from week to week, but I understood so little about television schedules and stuff that I couldn't actually follow the stories from week to week. So I would just assume like, ah, yeah, it's like, you'll never find out what happened.
0: I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought that like the only subscriptions you had on the house were like Omni (laughs) boys life and TV guide.
1: I had, um, Disney Adventures. Uh Uh-huh. I had- um,
0: Was that the little magazine? The TV Guide size magazine? TV Guide
1: size. I had uh, Popular Science for Kids,
0: I think. Oh, yeah.
1: Which uh, I really liked. I think I had Highlights for Kids when I was really little.
0: Let's see. I'm trying to think of the ones I had. I had, uh, I had Model Airplanes. Whoa. Definitely had that one. I think I had a car magazine of some kind, you know.
1: When you were like a little kid, you had a car magazine?
0: Yeah, I was into all that kind of stuff. Like oh. I like I like machines. Yeah. I like planes and cars and stuff.
1: I got like Rolling Stone and Wired when I was in high school.
0: Oh yeah. But uh Those are cool. Those are pretty cool. I miss those. I'm in No magazine right now. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I get Hollywood Reporter. I need nothing else.
1: <laughs> but you get that just because it gets sent to your house, right? You didn't sign up for it. <laughs>
0: God, I don't want to put this out into the public. I don't want it to get shut off. <laughs> I have, you're right, Ben. I have beginning Hollywood Reporter. I did not subscribe to it. It just started coming to my house because I live in Los Angeles. I thought that's how it worked.
1: Yeah, I get the New Yorker. Do you, I? I get a, a free gift subscription for the New Yorker with my with my paid subscription. Do you want that? Yes, yes, I do. It's a nice magazine. We have a friend who writes for for Rolling Stone. I really should subscribe to it.
0: <laughs> Did you suggest to that person that they subscribe to the show? <laughs> like maybe you can quid pro subscribe? Yeah, yeah. Have you um have you supported us on Max Fun? Because um, are you scared or just selfish? I didn't know that you were friends with Matt Taibbi. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> cool. <laughs> um yeah friend of the program ben fritz said don't tell anyone you've got a subscription to the better of the two <laughs> la industry magazines." <laughs> i was like what's the other one he said variety that vile thing yeah well it's bigger it's bigger in form factor
1: variety is really big they told no. us to re- to get a subscription to Variety and read it when I was in film school. They said, if you're if you want to be in this industry, you better keep up on the industry and Variety is the way you do that. Nobody ever said word one about the Hollywood Reporter to me.
0: Our very powerful CAA agent has told us time and time again, like, subscribe to them all. Yeah. And then read about all the cool shit that he does inside. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Which I do. I, if we subscribe to those, do you think that we would then become those kinds of people that go on Twitter and say some personal news and then just link to a <laughs> deadline article? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing good ever happens. You know what? I know the context you're you're using that example. Like it's mostly good stuff, right? It, yeah. It's always like, like Ben and Adam signed to five picture deal at Paramount. Yeah, that would be great. But some personal news always reads to me as we need to talk. (laughs) (laughs) If I ever end up uh, being a link to someone else's post that says some personal news, I'm going to walk into that thinking that it's a trap.
1: I mean, it would be really fun if someday we got to put some personal news linked to Deadline article and it's popular Star Trek podcasters, Ben and Adam, Blown out of airlock and newest episode yeah. of Star Trek Discovery.
0: Finally, they get what they have wanted from the start. Yeah. An on-screen death. It's all we want. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll stop doing the podcasts if you give us that.
0: Is that a thing we could commit to? Here's what I'll commit to. <laughs> if new Star Trek finds it in their hearts to blow us out an airlock on screen. Mm-hmm. Ben will stop doing the podcast. (laughs) And that is a promise. That's a promise I can make. That's a promise that Ben can make.
1: Adam will laugh the same amount on the podcast going forward.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This this show is about to get very public radio with me just monologizing into the mic, laughing a lot at my own jokes.
1: Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by one guy. That's me. Who is... Still embarrassed.
0: (laughs) I'm Adam Pranica. I don't have good public radio voice. That's the problem. I have this reedy oboe of a voice all pinched and shitty. You could be on this American life. The thing that I haven't said up till this point Mm. is how much I resent the credits (laughs) now because Wendy's reads are so fucking great. Like she's got a great radio voice and it. Fucking just takes a dump in my mouth every time <laughs> to hear it. Like, like this is this is how awful you're. Like, people are listening to this show for up to an hour, and then they reach the end and they finally hear professional sound of speaking. Like, Christ,
1: what a relief! <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're finally in good hands. Like that's such a, it's it's like the breath mint you stick in your ears at the end of this thing.
1: Fuck off! I'm full. It's the granita at the uh, end of a course yeah. at a fancy restaurant to cleanse your palate. Before you yeah. uh, fire up uh, 99% invisible or whatever.
0: Yeah, Wendy's here to to get you onto the next show you've subscribed to <laughs> in a way that isn't totally giving you the ear bends. <laughs>
1: Well, Adam... Uh... I would love to get into the episode we came to review here today. Not the suspenseful conclusion to another run of Prodigy episodes, but the penultimate episode of another run of Prodigy episodes. Should we talk about
0: this thing? We got runs inside of runs on, uh, on season one of Prodigy. This time it's episode nine of the first season. It's called A Moral Star Part One.
1: A moral amoral star. Is it the star that's amoral?
0: Oh yeah. I see is, I see the word play happening here.
1: Yeah. Who's the star in this in this context?
0: It's a Mia <laughs> That was my uh and Pog impression. Oh right. Really? <laughs> sounds kind of like
1: Wario maybe War- <laughs>
0: He is kind of a Wario type, though, on screen. Is he not? Got, Tell me he's not a Wario he's type. He's got a, a very Wario build.
1: Only different colors and I'm a little fatter. But I don't think he's a, a libertarian. He's a
0: monster! <laughs> does he have uh, squiggly facial hair? Kind of seems yes, like so he does. He
1: somewhat squiggly of, of facial hair. Okay, yeah. this is a, a debate we'll need to see settled on uh, on the social media. Maybe Bill can make a Twitter poll is Jenkampog Warrior.
0: People are so mean, not online. One of the issues that remains unsettled, Ben, hmm. is who the fuck is steering the ship, which <laughs> continues to just drift through space with no one at the wheel. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty
1: upsetting to think that no one is on the bridge right now when this episode opens.
0: Hollow Janeway's cool and everything, but I think we need a hollow Jellico to kind of get a shift rotation happening here. <laughs> get it done. So that maybe one person is at the helm at all times.
1: Janeway is not uh, whipping them into shape as such. Um, the crew is all down in the bunk bed area, catching up on their last adventure. Uh, Rock is regaling them with uh, all of her ability to uh, save the ship. And. Um, they are very casually having this conversation in the proximity of the dreadnought head, which <laughs> answered the question I had at the end of the last episode, but also made me very uneasy because who knows how functional that thing is.
0: Yeah, I mean, and when Dahl reaches over to it and and like snaps the spinal column <laughs> attached <laughs> in that direct callback to Star Trek First Contact. Mm. I was positive this was no longer a show for kids. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there is a real help me Obi-Wan Kenobi moment here because the head mm-hmm. falls to the floor and starts projecting a message from the Diviner. And it's Obi-Wan Kenobi down to the scan lines in the hologram. Like, like right. This is very Star Wars-y imagery here. And it's the Diviner saying like, bring... My ship back or the miners die like if if the protostar is not returned to tars lamora with the keys and uh and the pink slip i'm gonna start killing kids
0: it's pretty standard bad guy blackmail here until you start to do the math ben who's he gonna have working in the mines if he kills all of them or gives all of them away
1: right it's like uh doesn't seem like great leverage if uh, if it also fucks him over.
0: He he turns over to Dreadnought and he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna do it. <laughs> you and all your little spider clones are gonna start <laughs> working the mines. Which, if we're being honest, would be a better way to run the mine. How efficient would the mine start to run? You telling me that little kitty cat is a talented miner? Yes. I'm a kitty cat. And I'm meow, 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 meow. And I'm yum meow, meow. Yeah. The kitty cat sucks. And guess who's not taking a dump into all the sandy areas <laughs> on the surface of the mine? <laughs> Dreadnought isn't. Unless there's something about Dreadnought that I'm not, I'm not positive about. Mm. Is he taking real dumps? I don't think so. It would be a
1: mistake. Dreadnought, his mother was a killer robot, but his father was a soft serve machine. <laughs> it's a <couple> combination.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they 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 thought <laughs> they got married because she got pregnant, but it didn't really last because... Yeah. Her family was really upset about the whole thing. <laughs> they put a lot of pressure on her. <laughs> it was a real, uh, real scandal when an ice cream cake was put on the table for my first birthday. Uh,
1: speaking of melting faces
0: off... Really insulted that side of the family.
1: Yeah, they didn't even think about them. <laughs> so they have what I think is the first McLaughlin group. Issue one. So far on Star Trek Prodigy.
0: Yeah, I mean, because while it on the surface is blackmail, this is a deal being presented and and they need to decide whether or not to take it.
1: Yeah. So they kind of, uh, two choices that they consider are run to the Federation and ask for help or go in guns blazing and- fight for what's right back in Tars lamora
0: kind of a, a a devil you know in opposition of the devil you don't know i guess like they've run into no one from the federation they still aren't sure how they would be received if they were to do that but they do kind of know the diviner and i think this is a, a point that gwyn makes yeah it's like yeah we know the diviner and the diviner fucking sucks and we can't trust him like why would you even consider accepting this kind of deal and thinking that he's going to stick to it. He doesn't make deals in good faith. Right. And this is
1: a debate that that they're having, but the, the crew really seems to be rallying behind the idea of uh, going and sticking it to the Diviner. But Dal, who is somehow officially the captain now, uh, is a lot more tied up in knots about it. Heavy lies the fourth pip. And uh, instead of uh, making a final call, he storms out of the room.
0: I like the elegance of both of these decisions being in opposite directions too, right? Like they only have enough proto drive fuel to choose one destination. Mm-hmm. And they're on opposite sides of the map. So you get to pick one, and stick to it.
1: Gwyn goes in to rap with Dal about this. And part of what he doesn't like about the plan is that he feels like it will put... The crew at risk, and this is a family to him and this is kind of the first time that he's expressing how much he's changed about how much he cares about these guys
0: and that feeling is in opposition of like the real terror people feel about going back to the place that had tormented them for so long right like yeah. all of these characters hated their time on Tars Lamora none of them are particularly excited to go back but the choice is either to do that or continue to be tormented by this guy from afar and possibly hearing about that kitty cat being killed
1: yeah i had wondered how they could get away with leaving that kitty cat and the the story utility of leaving that kitty
0: cat is now yeah
1: quite evident
0: we've got to save the kitty cat that's like a rule of screenwriting literally kittens are the cutest
1: Dal's point at the end of the scene is like, we can't trust the diviner, so we can't do this with no plan. We have to do it with a plan. I'm sad about having to make a plan for the first time, but we got to do it.
0: And there's nothing like a montage for the the hatching of such a plan, and so we get a lot of scenes here mm. where stuff's getting built. We learn that Dal's rat tail is prehensile. We're just now finding this out.
1: What the hell? <laughs> I have the rat it doesn't seem like it is useful for that much aside from twirling a pen
0: I tell you one thing once uh, once Dal gets through puberty, I think he's gonna find a use for that thing <laughs> okay I hear you yeah this is also
1: a montage to obscure the beats of the plan for the viewer right this is the exactly the approach destroyer structure where the viewer does not know what they're doing for the rest of the episode.
0: Right. A rewatch reveals some of the tools here and their instrumentality yeah. to the plan later. Right. But for now, we're just seeing parts and stuff being put together and people getting along and people excited about the suicide mission.
1: And people welding Zero's suit for some reason. Yeah.
0: Dal walks onto the bridge dressed for work yeah. <laughs> at the end of this thing. Yeah.
1: Suited and booted.
0: And joining him is, is Gwyn. And Rock Talk and Jinkum Pog and Zero, but Murph not among those with the right stuff <laughs> <laughs> in this moment. Um, we talked
1: in the last episode about how Zero maybe want to consider changing what the what the hand situation is. Yeah, Zero has redone their suit a little bit to mimic the coloration and design choices of a Federation uniform but has not like buffed it out at all. Like this is not the clean C-3PO at the end of A New Hope look for Zero. It is like eh, barely cleaner and different colors. I'm so excited, I I couldn't hold my oil.
0: This is like painting a car with a roller. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Zero
1: looks like. Yeah, and not masking off like any of the chrome.
0: (laughs) No. We get a, a significant moment at the end of this scene, which is Dal's command to go to warp. Yeah. Go fast.
1: I like it. I mean, on Discovery, like the idea that a captain like tries to come up with what their catchphrase is going to be uh, was introduced in a really fun way. I think that it's it's good that Dal uh, has his own just kind of chambered and ready to go. First thing that he's done that would make me feel at all confident in him being a captain.
0: I know you've got something chambered as an answer to this question, but what would be your go to warp command? Let's fucking do it. (laughs) I think mine would be here we go. How about zippity-doo-dah? Call me when we get there. (laughs) I think yours would be, oh, no. Yeah.
1: So uh, Janeway also changes her uniform. One thing I kind of wondered, she's got a, a little bit of piping on the on the shoulders of your, her uniform mm-hmm. that none of the other characters do. We want some lovely surprises and wonderful finishes. She's got the same gray on black uniform with just a little bit of red piping along the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that any of the other characters have that piping. And I wondered if that's what distinguishes this model of uniform from cadet to commissioned officer.
0: Oh yeah, you got to work yourself up to pipes, don't you? Yeah.
1: Up to pipes and up to pips because none of them have any pips to determine a rank.
0: I don't like these uniforms. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I I don't like how monochromatic they are. Like part of the fun of Starfleet uniforms over the years is kind of how bold the color choices are. Like I like I like command red. Yeah. I like medical blue. I like monster maroon. I like, I like them all, but it's almost like you're in a black and white movie with these uniforms.
1: Yeah. And the color palette on the bridge itself is just that color over and over again. Also. So yeah. It, it kind of makes them blend in.
0: I understand the choice here because, because the aliens themselves are so brightly colored. Yeah that I think it would be very difficult to find a a color palette for a uniform that didn't clash with them.
1: There's an episode of TNG where they get Data into a red command uniform and it looks mm-hmm. so wrong. wrong. It is wrong! Yeah. And I bet they just came across that with every single one of these characters.
0: Right. My other note for the uniforms is that I'd probably put Rock Talk in a turtleneck <laughs> and make that fucking neck go all the way up to the nose. <laughs>
1: So they show up at Tars Lamora, and uh, the Diviner's very happy to see that his uh, ultimatum has
0: worked. Get a lot of kitten time. Yeah. A lot of shots at the kitten.
1: The kitten is the is the wordless observer for this uh, the entire rest of the
0: episode. You see some of the other miners working around the kitten, like super irritated to be stepping on the litter. <laughs> yeah. Constantly being tracked around as if slave labor couldn't be any worse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, if if they if they had universal translators, that's what we would be <laughs> hearing them say. Uh-huh. <laughs> Made me wonder, did they bring like a huge, you know, shopping bag full of starfleet communicators so that they could distribute them to the miners when they get down there?
0: Oh yeah, that would make sense. How else are you going to do it?
1: I mean, Nobody speaks the same language on Tars Lamar. That's one of the main things about it.
0: Yeah, that's why you need a Gwyn, studying her, uh, her foreign languages.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of talk about uh, getting the transporter ready and dropping the shields and doing th- the thing when the tractor beam locks onto the ship. And uh, they, they pull the ship in and uh, they walk down the ramp to meet up with the Diviner, who is changing the deal. This is a very Empire Strikes Back set up to this scene.
0: Right. The deal up to this point was the Diviner would trade his own ship and the slaves for the Protostar, but he's changing the deal because he wants Gwyn too. He's had, he's had a turn of heart. He, uh, he's suddenly really connecting
1: with uh, his fatherly commitments and wants Gwyn to come with him. Despite Dreadnought's disapproval of this element of the deal,
0: Gwyn seems game too. Like Gwyn is is ready to sacrifice herself for the rest of the crew if it means getting the slaves to safety.
1: Yeah, the unwanted is the collective name for the mine prisoners.
0: Pretty selfless here. She's really
1: needs of the manying, and this. Is clearly a twist. This is not something that they discussed in their montage, but there's a very heartfelt goodbye scene where, you know, they they've successfully renegotiated, so they get to keep the Rev 12 and all the miners and Dreadnought and the Diviner and Gwyn will go off on the Protostar.
0: The image of seeing the comm badge crushed out like a cigarette butt under The diviner's boot is really great
1: yeah right a remarkably fragile device
0: yeah i mean does that say more about the strength of the diviner's boots or the weakness of the com badge i don't know hard to
1: say um he he hints in this scene at having an axe to grind in particular at starfleet like he that's why he rips the badge off and crushes it yeah i'm curious to see what the what the story is there like the (laughs) <laughs> the whole episode is dangling. We're going to find out what the diviner's real deal is.
0: Constantly. Yeah.
1: And we never get a single scrap of
0: information. I had such a fucked up theory about that, that the diviner was Chakotay. <gasps> Chakotay. Chakotay. <gasps> oh, shit. <laughs> this is... And there's nothing in this episode that's, that suggests that it's not.
1: This is the Star Trek Beyond theory of prodigy? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he doesn't have the tat, but, you know, tattoo removal has come a long way.
0: Really has. Yeah. You can correct a lot of mistakes of your youth. That's better. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barbershop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner... In exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
0: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
1: And at MaximumFun.org. The rough outline of my theory is the Diviner helped Starfleet develop the protodrive, but killed his entire species in so doing somehow. Oh, I like that theory. So like he's desperately trying to make up for a horrible mistake and doesn't really care who he has to kill to do it.
0: This is why it's so important to vet your contractors, right? Right,
1: yeah. Got to make sure that that, uh, that that number that they give you is actually in the public database.
0: Mm-hmm. Do your background checks. And get permits, you know? They'll discourage you from getting permits because it's a pain in the ass. yeah. Bummer of a scene, bummer of a dialogue choice here. Maybe low-key the saddest asked and answered we've gotten on the series so far is Jenkum Pog asking why it feels like they lost, and Dahl's answer being, because we did the right thing. (laughs) Good Lord. Hey, kids, you want to do the right thing? (laughs) Yeah, doesn't necessarily sell doing the right thing to an impressionable kid at this moment in time. Yeah. You know you're doing it right if you feel like shit. The uh, the
1: goodbye sequence from between Gwyn and everybody, pretty rough. Yeah. I'd say the, the two toughest parts are when she puts her hand on Rock Rocktalk's chin very close to that mouth. and uh, the other part where she hugs Dal, and Dal is too nervous of a teen to hug back initially. (laughs) He's just got the hover hands.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but the tail goes in. Yeah. Tail goes in for a hug.
1: (laughs) He doesn't have a lot of control over that tail at this age.
0: I mean, in the tail's defense, the tail goes in for a side hug. (laughs) Keeps some daylight in between them. So she gets on the
1: ship, with the diviner and and dreadnock and dreadnock, and uh pretty quickly uh Hologram Janeway has been rebooted in dark hologram Janeway mode, like kind yeah. of the mirror universe instantiation of Hologram Janeway with the severe lip and the smoky eye.
0: welcome aboard, Captain, yeah, I like this look a lot, yeah, she looked awesome actually, it's fun. <laughs>
1: And uh, she's real like a smile while saying an evil thing kind of villain.
0: As they take off, they use the Protostar's weapons against the Rev-12, the ship they were supposed to be leaving behind.
1: They didn't say anything about not destroying the ship as a part of the deal. You got to read the Fide print, (laughs) Dal.
0: Gwyn is more horrified than surprised, at least I hope.
1: yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is exactly why you don't make a deal with the diviner. Just not a trustworthy man. Lies and hypocrisy. He kills his own starship on the way out, and Dreadnought is really pissed about this. But he's like, "Listen, all we need is the is the proto This is going great for us." And uh, as the uh, explosion ripples through the base, like a bunch of debris starts falling on the platform that the uh, remaining crew are on. And they have to run from all this falling stuff. And you notice as they're doing this that uh, they're tossing Zero from person to person, trying to protect Zero. And Zero is very floppy and flappy, not uh, <laughs> not able to keep up for
0: some reason. Yeah, why is that? It's weird. All this debris falls into the area of the mine where the kitty cat is, and no one notices because it's already just totally filthy from <laughs> cat litter. Yeah,
1: and then... Uh, A prisoner that looks a lot like me goes down in there, and the cat's like, hey, this guy, all right.
0: I love this guy. (laughs) This guy is the best. Yeah, cats love Benjamin R. Harrison. Good for you. You can have him. (laughs) I love a cat. The feeling is mutual, Adam. I love cats, and cats love me. I'm outnumbered now in terms of cat feelings. Yeah. Both you and Wendy, pro-cat. Pro-cat. Adam. Fine with cats. Fine. Hmm. Fine. (laughs) I'm hostile for comedy's sake. (laughs) Not for any other reason.
1: Oh, okay. Gwyn kind of begging the diviner to explain himself on their way out of here. And he's like, the gravity has died. At Tars Lamora and the, the crew are hanging on for dear life and they're warping out of here. And Gwen is like, can you please explain why you like doomed everyone to death? And he's like, listen, Gwen, like, I will explain it to you. And when you hear why I did that, you will totally get it. You will understand why I killed thousands of innocent children. I am as excited to tell you as you are to hear it. This is going to put everything right between us. The main mistake I made is just not including you in the truth from the start. But once you hear it, all of this stuff that I have done will seem completely justified.
0: This is the madness of this episode is like how much (laughs) sludge is being put into the gears of storytelling at this moment. Yeah. Like the brakes are put on the exposition here.
1: You will know soon enough. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but what it does is it gives us time to go back to our marooned crew yeah who reveal that they are not in any trouble They're, this is not a death sentence as they float around in zero gravity yeah as the power's failing this is what they wanted they've got those uh, those booster packs
1: that we saw mm-hmm. them packing up in the in the montage yeah and guess what zero is not zero. Zero is Murph inside a zero suit and Murph has the protostar in his belly.
0: Yeah, and this is a fact that the diviner realizes on the protostar when he wants to go to warp. He's like, hey, I know we've got the fuel for one of these jumps, let's hit it. And we don't get to hear the diviners go to warp. Yeah. Like, I want to know what that is. Like, do you think it's like, let's go fucking kill some things? (laughs) Let's do it badly. (laughs) Yeah, they don't get the chance because the protodrive is gone. Yeah, they get that, uh,
1: that starting the engine and the engine doesn't start noise. And they go down there and see an empty hurl <laughs> where the drive once was. Yeah. They're really taking advantage of the indestructibility of Murph.
0: I wish Dreadnought walked by like the corpse of his body that they were messing around with on the protostar earlier. Yeah, that would have been fun. Give him some weird feelings about, about stuff.
1: So so back on Tars Lamora, they're like, all right, you, you and you go fix the power, get the gravity back down zero are going to go rally the miners around uh, escaping on the Riv 12. And that is uh, that is the suspenseful end to this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, the cliff that we're hanging on at the end is like, we've done our jobs. Now we got to hope that Gwyn holds up her part of the deal on the ship.
1: Yeah, she's got to distract the diviner for a long time.
0: I mean, I don't think it was long enough, <laughs> to
1: be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, is he part Quasion, Like the thing where his forehead starts glowing? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Is this new Star Trek canon that
0: anybody that can read minds has a f- glowy forehead design? I mean, he's going to be really upset when he hears about <laughs> what happens in the distant future to mm. his planet. Yeah. Whoa, that's so intense. Hey, here's a tip for you, the diviner. <laughs> Maybe don't buy property on Quajan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be mean, looking off world for my real estate needs. Not, not looking
1: good for the future uh, of Quajon real estate. The other big cliff that we're hanging off of is what is going to happen when Murph rips ass having consumed a star.
0: Yeah. Probably some indigestion.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a nasty one.
0: Yeah, that's the sort of dump where you just like throw out the entire toilet. (laughs) Did you like this episode, Adam? I did. I mean... Once again, extremely impressed at the story density they're able to achieve here in a scant 24-ish minutes. I mean, kind of a ton of things happen. We do depend on a montage to speed us through a part of it, but still an extremely satisfying little bite sized Star Trek here. Yeah. And complete with a cliffhanger that still totally hits. Like you don't need 50 minutes of episode to have your cliffhanger slap. They're able to accomplish it in half the time.
1: Agreed. Um, Yeah, I have a couple of problems with this episode. (laughs) One is that I don't love the storytelling thing of like, eventually this guy is going to explain his evil villainous plot, but not yet. Agreed. Like, Stop doing that. I am no longer excited about hearing the Diviner's plot because it's just been like dangled in front of us and ripped away so many times.
0: It better be fucking amazing if you're going to keep doing this.
1: It better, like, make me think maybe he did have a point in abandoning all those children to death.
0: <laughs> that might be the only way that his explanation could satisfy. Yeah. It's that or I'm Chicote. Chakotay. <gasps> Chakotay?
1: Chakotay. What are you talking about? Right. So that that's, like, Something that I'm not loving about the show. The other thing I'm not loving about the show is that for the last two episodes, Gwen has been subjected to like really terrible violence at the hands of her dad and the robot that works for her dad. And Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of an ugly thing. Like I think that children's programming that deals with heavy feelings is something I can get behind. But children's programming that depicts what amounts to... Family abuse of children is Mm. less kosher in my mind. And I'm trying to like imagine showing this to a kid as a parent. And I think that that stuff is maybe not something I would want to just let a kid consume, you know?
0: You don't think it softens those hard edges by giving her the agency that she has and the opportunity to, you know not a, not so much exact revenge, but like she's in on a plan to save a bunch of people and topple her shitty dad and his hench in so doing. Like, is that not kind of a strong depiction of what at one point was a uh, Shadapon character?
1: I guess so. Like, I'm not trying to like clutch my pearls here. It's just that part of the way they sell to the diviner that it's a surprise that Gwen is going with him is that they all act shocked that is a way he wants to modify the plan. And so I think if you're a kid watching, you might not pick up on that, having been part of the plan from the beginning. And so then what you're watching is a parent laying one on his kid. And, and I just, like, I don't know. I think that there's a way to tell these stories that doesn't depict that. And I wish that they had not taken that route with this character. Other than that, like, I think that there's a lot to recommend this episode and it is a fun suspenseful ending and i am very curious to see what happens next i just wanted to call that out because i'm like it's squicked me out both times it's happened in the last two episodes and i feel like i didn't like give voice to it as much as i could have last time
0: all right fair enough but do you want to see if there's anything that squicks me out in the priority one inbox adam reliably squicky (laughs) is the p1 inbox ben Priority one message from Starfleet Coming in on secured channel Our first message there is from Damien P in Vancouver Hey! And the message is to Ben and Adam Or Adam and Ben, it's up to you Well if it's up to me, it's Adam and Ben (laughs) The message goes like this Thanks for years of fun And interesting pod I jumped in mid-TNG And spent most of that first episode trying to figure out Why people were going to Six Bay on some ship called The Entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your film and industry insights and sincerely love The Nth Degree and Eyes Uncovered episodes. Yes. Wow. Thank you for always brightening my week twice. Thanks, Damien. That rules.
1: I love hearing the, uh, the non-detractors of our weird game of buttholes episodes. Yeah, Damien's with it all. We hear the vocal minority who hate them, but I think that there's a, a silent majority out there.
0: I like to hear any time a Greatest Gen viewer comes on over to the Greatest Discovery, especially mid-TNG like they are. Yes. It's kind of amazing. So many in-jokes to be found on your journey, Damien. Yeah. Thank you for
1: that. Uh, our next one here is from Lord Smashington, and it is to Jason. goes like this. Jason i was your jazz horse and you were my jazz daddy i will never forget you when you jazzed we jazzed and jazzed and jazzed what if
0: morn and wario had a baby
1: all right
0: god how weird is that we were talking about wario (laughs) up top and it's in our
1: p1 yeah we've heard of lord smashington right this is, uh, our DC friends of DeSoto told us about the saga of Lord Smashington. Yeah? I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to scroll back through the text thread, but it was a while ago that we got this information. Jason's horse, Lord Smashington, was deaded by the game. Got
0: So unfair when that happens. It, it moved him without his horse.
1: <laughs> it was just a saddle when he went back.
0: It's so cruel when the game does that to you. Of course, I experienced my own bout of horse death publicly Yeah. while hundreds of Friends of DeSoto watched.
1: Yeah, one of our first attempts at Twitch.
0: Yeah. God, that was awful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: RSVP, genuine RSVP, Lord Smashington.
0: Indeed. And if Morn and Wario
1: had a baby, it might look like Jenkum Pog.
0: How is this even a debate?
1: I think we've answered all of these questions.
0: If you would like us to eulogize a video game horse, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. (laughs) Write something in there that we can read, we will embellish it in our own special way, and you can be satisfied with having supported the ongoing production of this show. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin?
1: I'm going to give it to the diviner on this one, because the diviner, I guess, just wants a slow, painful death for the crew that stole his protostar so bad that he does not nip this problem in the bud when he totally could. Like, what he could do on his way out of there is say, oh, by the way, Dreadnought, turn the killer robots back on. Yeah. Instead, he hoists himself on his own petard here. Like-
0: he could have two ships. It's the classic bad guy bullshit of like, I'm going to put James Bond in a slowly descending <laughs> ladder that's going into a vat of acid, and I'm, I'm going to leave while that happens.
1: I'm willing to take for granted that the Protostar is the only thing he really wants, but once he's done using the Protostar for whatever evil purpose he has for it, he could then have a second ship also.
0: Yeah. One ship is none, Two ships is one. Everyone knows that. <laughs> you need ship backup, the diviner. <laughs> yeah. Give me a break. You know who probably knows all about that is Dreadnought. Yeah. Dreadnought should tell him. Dreadnought has a thousand backups of himself. So many he doesn't even care when he sees parts of his own body strewn about.
1: Way more pragmatic than the diviner. and Yeah. Yeah, like I kind of also just feel like all of those killer robots are just there waiting to be reprogrammed against the diviner now. Agreed. Yeah. Did you have an Edward Larkin, Adam?
0: I mean, who's more unpredictable than Dal's prehensile rat tail? Mm. (laughs) What does it want? (laughs) What does it hate? Why has it only showed up now? What is its dark secret? (laughs) I think... I think we need to know more about that tail. Mm. I don't think I trust it. <laughs> How are you supposed to put a helmet on on top of that thing? Oh, yeah. You don't want to crunch down on that thing if you're putting a helmet on. Cut it clean off.
1: Yeah. If you got one of those Star Trek Discovery helmets that like nanoparticles around your head. Yeah. You could wind up looking at your, at your rat tail floating away in space after your helmet appears on you. <laughs>
0: It's gross as hell. You hear it like tinking against the the face mask, all hard and desiccated. Gross. No one wants that. This is a kid show. Yeah. Come on.
1: Wow. Good Edward Larkin, Adam. Uh, well, that is the exciting cliffhanger that does not end this run of new prodigy episodes we'll be back next week with a moral star part two i
0: believe gotta be i mean it would be very surprising if that wasn't the next episode that was coming
1: yeah (laughs) that would that would genuinely shock me um yeah and uh hopefully wendy has a has a description to read in the credits which start right now
0: yeah i do have a description on episode 10 when their plan goes awry the crew must improvise Meanwhile, Gwyn discovers a dark truth that will forever jeopardize their quest towards salvation. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. The music that you hear on the show is by Adam Ragusea. Make sure you're subscribed to his cooking channel on YouTube. Bill Tilly is the social media director at Uxbridge Shimoda, so find us on Instagram and Twitter at Greatest Trek. If you love the show, be sure you recommend it to someone that you know, or you could leave us a five-star review online. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. All right!
1: MaximumFun.org
0: Comedy and culture.
1: Artist owned. Audience supported.